Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and this is the program where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. If you've watched or listened to me, you've seen and heard about this book. I've often quoted it, The Go-Giver, by Bob Berg and John David Mann. This book has been a true inspiration for me and billions of others around the globe, and today I am thrilled to welcome Bob Berg of The Go-Giver fame. Bob, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hey, thanks, Dave. Great to be with you. I don't. You you don't even need an introduction. I think the world knows who you are. So I think uh, I, I would love to just dive in in this limited amount of time that we have together. And as you know, I've got the word "go giver" on my LinkedIn profile, and people ask me from time to time, "What does that mean?" And I thought, what a great opportunity to ask the guy himself. What what does it mean to be a go giver, Bob? Well, it, a go giver is simply someone who understands or either has learned or maybe always intuitively knew that shifting your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that not only is that a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some way out there, woo-woo type of magical, mystical reasons. Not at all. It, it's actually very rational uh, when you think about it. When you're that person who can move your focus off of yourself and place it onto others, helping them as they want to be helped, uh, bringing value to their lives, making their lives better, helping solve their challenges, what have you, people feel good about you. They want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you if that's appropriate, and they want to refer you to others. Yeah, people do business and refer business to people they know, like, and trust. I, I've said that thousands of times. When I answer the question about what it means to be a go-giver, I refer to essentially the, the first law of stratospheric success, the law of value, that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment, which you just alluded to. But that doesn't mean you're giving things away, right? No, it, it simply means we, we have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth to another human being that they will willingly, in the business sense, exchange their money for this and be glad they did while you make a very healthy profit. It would be like the person who you hire to do your taxes who charges you $1,000. That's their fee or their price, but they save you $5,000. They, they save you countless hours of time. They provide you with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So, um, They've given you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. They gave you more in value than they took in payment, so you feel great about it, and they made a very healthy profit as well. Yeah, and that's the shift. It's, it's changing that, that perspective, too. As well, you mentioned. it begins, yeah, it yeah. begins with that accountant not focusing on their fee. They're focusing on the immense value that they give to you. This is why John David Mann, my awesome co-author of the, of the series, why we say that money is simply an echo 
of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value comes first. That must be your focus, providing value to that other person. The money you receive is simply a very natural result of the yeah. value you provide. Yeah. Let's talk about receiving for a second, because the fifth law of stratospheric success is the law of receptivity. And it's the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And so many people can't even accept a compliment. Hey, you look nice today. Nah. Or thank you for your effort. It was nothing. How, how do you help folks to understand the, the significance of this staying open to receiving? Sure. Well, you know, the, the law of receptivity itself, again, uh, the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. This really, Dave, means nothing more than understanding that, yes, you breathe out, you also have to breathe in. As human beings, we breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen, but we breathe out, which is giving, we breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving, despite the messages we get from the world around us, and most of the, the messages from the world around us with regards to money, prosperity, uh, abundance, business, what have you, they're not mixed messages. They're very negative messages. And we hear these from the time where, you know, we're little kids for everything from uh, with many people. It could be from uh, immediate, uh, the, you know, family, it could be upbringing, environment, schooling, news media. Tell it. We hear all these horrible things about money and that can get into your head. And I mean, on an unconscious level. So we, we end up thinking that giving and receiving are opposite concepts, but they're not. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin and Brilliant. they work in tandem. It's not, are you a giver or a receiver? Not at all. You're a giver and a receiver. So long as you understand that the focus needs to be on the giving part, the giving of value, now you can understand that as you do so, as you serve the lives of many, as you place the needs and interests of, of your customers, clients, prospects first, as you stay congruent with your authentic nature, now you've created the environment, that benevolent context for success. Now you only have to be able to receive that abundance. Right. And for the folks in the production studio, it's time for the graphic. Bob, there's more than just the go-giver. Uh, there's a series of go-giver books. And Bob, it's on the screen here. You probably can't see it. But uh, as I mentioned to you before we went on the air here today, I, I love the go-giver. But for me, I always wondered, does this stuff really work? And then I read the, the green one, Go Giver, Sell More. And for me, that was totally transformational because it became a playbook of how one can conduct themselves in the business world as a go-giver. And one of the things that you talk about that's really mind-blowing, because I think everybody out there in the world who is seeing a client or a prospect has worked on a pitch deck. They're always pitching. And your mantra is that the perfect pitch is not to pitch. Can you talk about that? Well, you know, first of all, you know, my, my feeling when it comes to the word pitch is every single sales professional in the world should lose that word and never use it again. What is a pitch? Well, in baseball, a pitch is something you do to someone. What's the idea of a pitch to defeat the batter, to strike them out? That's not what selling is about. Selling by definition is simply discovering what the other person wants, needs, or desires and helping them to get it, okay? Uh, a pitch 
is not focused on that person. A pitch is focused on ourselves. Uh, I just think it is such an awful word. I would love to see that word just eliminated from the vernacular of every single salesperson, okay? Um, we say instead of pitch, how about serve? Like in a friendly game of tennis, where the idea is to hit the ball to the other person in a way that they can hit it back to you, and you hit it back to them, and they hit it back, back to you. I don't think this is just semantics. It is semantics, but I don't think it's just semantics, because what we tell ourselves about what we do, not just tell us. And, and see, I don't think any any salesperson will usually say to them, hey, I'm going to pitch you this product or service. But even when we say to ourselves or to our team members, hey, I'm going to go pitch this person today. I, I think that what it what it says that it's about us, not about that other person. Instead of pitch, how about, you know, present? How about share an idea with someone or how about attempt to serve someone? Um, yeah, so so we we would love to to really uh, to, to kind of eradicate that word. Yeah, because it's not about you. Um, you had meant you had alluded to the word authenticity uh, just a little bit ago. And authenticity is such a key buzzword in leadership these days. And I wanted to ask your perspective because you're saying you're always selling yourself. So being authentic is one of the laws, the law of authenticity. What does being authentic really mean? Sure. Well, in the, in the story, uh, Deborah Davenport shared that the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And, and what she said is that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, even people skills, as important as they are, and they are all very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do, when you show up as yourself, day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. They feel safe with you because they know who they're getting. And that's very important in terms of human nature. We need to know, we need to, to feel that sense of consistency in those we deal with. It's very difficult to elicit trust when you're not consistent. And a big part of being consistent is being uh, authentic. I always loved what what um, Gandhi is, is credited as saying, I don't know if he ever did say this or not, but it, it sounds very Gandhi-ish and he's often credited with saying that integrity is when everything you think and everything you feel and everything you say and everything you do are in alignment. I think that's a great uh, definition of authenticity. Authenticity should not be confused with not having any filters. It doesn't mean you say whatever you want because you feel it, okay? But it means you show up and act in such a way that is congruent with your values. Great. Bob, for folks who are watching and listening and want to learn how they may connect with you, how they can invite you to come speak perhaps, what's the best way for them to contact you? Best way is the website, which is Berg, B-U-R-G, uh, dot com and everything's right there. Okay. Bob, we only have just a couple of minutes to go in the first segment here, but I wanted to sneak in one additional question uh, with regard to uh, go give or sell more. You, you mentioned a concept about things coming in from left field. And when I first read that, I thought, wow, really? And then I lived it. I actually experienced it. And, and the idea that is your influence precedes you. And I've, I've gotten referrals from people who have never met me, but because somebody else had heard about me, um, they were they transferred the trust. Can you can you talk a little bit about that power of influence in this left field concept? 
Well, that's what happens. You know, with left field, it's when you you have that referral or something amazing happens, a great new connection or something. You say, where did that come from, right? Well, it seems to come out of left field, to come out of nowhere. But in reality, it comes out of everywhere. It yeah. comes from the gravitational pull of your influence, which is the result of providing and giving so much value to so many people in ways that they see and understand it as being of value. It's, uh, again, uh, a term I referred to earlier. It's that benevolent context for success, right? It's everything you've created by being who you are and as a result of who you are, it's what you've done. Yeah. And that's a great spot to take a quick break. So Bob, don't go anywhere. We're going to pause, pay a few bills. and We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers with Bob Berg today. Why buy local? When you shop with local businesses, you're spending your money on more than just the item you're buying. You're adding a building block to your neighborhood. It starts with a single purchase, maybe a cup of coffee, groceries from a local co-op, or even a shiny new bicycle from one of the nearly 28 million small businesses nationwide. Your money doesn't stay in the till for long, though. Local business owners use the money to create a lot of economic activity in your neighborhood, like buying from suppliers, many of whom are also local businesses, paying taxes to the city, which builds and maintains the infrastructure we all rely on, employing local workers, contributing to 65% of the net new jobs each year. Add this all together and you've got a recipe for a happier, healthier, more connected neighborhood. Now that's an investment worth making. back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we are talking with Bob Berg, co-author of The Go-Giver and The Go-Giver series. Uh, we had a great conversation in the first segment, and I want to jump right in here, Bob, with, uh, with round two in our limited time, and, and start with the Go-Giver leader concepts, because the cool thing about this whole Go-Giver philosophy is that, as you've mentioned in these other books, there's a theme, and it weaves all the way through, because you can bring this Go-Giver mindset or construct to every aspect of business and leadership. So let, let's talk about it from a leadership perspective. What does a go-giver leader really look like? What is giving leadership? Well, it, it follows that, that same premise in terms of the, um, uh, in terms of the focus. Uh, a go-giver leader, rather than focused on themselves and their own success, they're focused on making those around them successful. Uh, now, we know that to the degree as a leader, you make others successful. Well, that's also the degree to which you're going to be very successful. So it always works. And that's why we always, you know, we, we like to make that point. It's not that either or treacherous, right? The treacherous dichotomy or the false dilemma. You're either doing well for others or you're doing well for yourself. No, it's both. And to the degree you focus on creating success for others, that's, that's going to be, uh, how you manifest your own success. That's really what being a go-giver leader is, is all about. 
Yeah, so when you say that a, a go-giving leader stands for something, a lot of folks would wonder, what, what should I stand for as it pertains to the business world, right? What, I, what am I bringing to my team? Uh, what's your counsel for them? Well, this is really when we say they stand for something, it's all about character. Uh, character, Dave, comes from an old Greek word, uh, meaning scrape or scratch. Uh, it came to mean an engraved marking and eventually a defining quality. So if one were to wax poetic, we could say, well, character is what happens when life etches or scratches itself onto your soul. But I'm not particularly poetic, so I like a defining quality, right? Or we could say even more accurately, the sum total of all one's qualities is their defining quality or character. Now, we've all known people of high character, and in those cases, we've probably noticed that they stand for something, and we all know exactly where they stand and what they stand for. Now, that doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. Of course they do. They're human beings. It doesn't mean they don't course correct. Certainly they do. Uh, people of high character admit mistakes and they, they make amends, they course correct it. And it also doesn't mean they're not flexible on strategy. Sure they are, okay? They're flexible on strategy. However, when it comes to those values-based decisions, whatever they happen to be for that person, uh, you know, they are immovable, immutable, and absolutely unchangeable. And that's why we respect them. And that's often why we'll follow them. It doesn't mean we agree with everything, okay? But we know what they stand for. Yeah. And, uh, and we respect them for that. We feel, again, we feel safe with them. Yeah, and in this current environment that we're in, in this global pandemic, um, we've got leadership in crisis and teams are, are more likely than not working remotely. How can a leader be effective or more effective in this kind of environment, Bob? Well, I think one thing a leader has to do is, is actually do the things they they say. You know, we, we've seen over the last, I think, week or so, a number of incidents where government officials, uh, mayors, governors, you know, what have you, have, have um, uh, you know, done something like, say, like absolutely stressed, staying home, don't go anywhere. Don't, and what have they done? They've been caught actually traveling and doing the very things that they've said not to do. And there are a number of incidents, okay, of, of this happening. That's not character-based leadership because that confuses people. Okay, first it says to them, oh, well, you know, uh, am I the servant and they're the, you know, the, right, the, uh, you know, the, the monarch who gets to live by a separate set of rules, which causes resentment, okay? But it also confuses people. Because they're saying, hey, if this person's traveling or, or you know, going into, a, going into a crowded party or, you know, whatever, after saying to us, don't do that, absolutely don't do that, well, maybe it's not that dangerous. You know, so again, right. we're, that's, those are mixed messages. And, and high-character leaders, go-giver leaders, do not send mixed messages like that. And they yeah. don't hold themselves above those they're supposed to be serving. 
And as a leader, okay, you are a servant leader. You're a go-giver leader. Your focus is on the others. Your focus is on those you serve. Yeah, and I always say that these are way more than business books. These are books about how to conduct yourself every day in life. It's just a great way to be. And uh, I, I know you've got some online courses, right, where you can uh, help folks in gaining more leadership skills from a go-giver mindset. Yeah, well, uh, the, the one we have out right now is called Endless Referrals, The Go-Giver Way, which combines my two main programs, I guess. So it's the, the principles of, of uh, the go-giver and the actual system uh, of creating uh, endless referrals. And where can they find that? At your website, Bob? Yeah, that's right at Berg.com. Right. And if they want more of Bob Berg, there's a podcast. There's a podcast and I have a blog and if they scroll down the blog, there's lots of videos that I have out there. So we have plenty of plenty of goodies in the uh, the archives of both the podcast and the uh, the blog. Yeah, folks. So it doesn't just end when you close the book. There's a lot more of Bob out there for you. <laughs> so you. go get it. Uh, Bob, I want to talk a little bit about influence, um, how to create it while doing so in an authentic way. Well, you know, I think the first question, Dave, it, like with anything else, is what does it really mean? You know, because influence is a word you talked earlier, and I thought you made a great point about authenticity being such a, a, a an overused word almost. You know, at this point, and I think influence the the same. So first, let's let's define it. What does it really mean? And I think we can do this on two levels. Uh, both shallow and deep. So first, the very on a very, very basic level, we can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. By definition, that is influence. Now, that's its definition. It's not, however, its substance or its essence. The essence of influence is pull, pull as opposed to push, as in the old age old saying, how far can you push a rope? And the answer is not very, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't push. Uh, they don't push their will on others. They don't push their ideas on others. They don't push themselves on others. They're not pushy. You never hear people say, wow, that Tom or that Mary, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, she's very influential. She has a lot of pull with people. What is that pull? Well, that pull is an attraction. Great influencers attract people first to themselves and then to their ideas. They do this again, not through push, but through pulls. How? Well, the great influencer understands that their influence is determined by how abundantly they place the other person's interests first, not in a martyrish way or self-sacrificial way, not at all. But here's the thing. They first ask themselves questions, making sure their focus is in the right place, which is outward. We want to be inwardly motivated, but outwardly focused. So the great influencer, the genuine influencer asks themselves questions such as, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their wants, their needs, their desires? How does what I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? 
What problems am I helping them to solve? How am I helping them to attain what they want to attain? How am I making their life better just by being part of it? And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, uh, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment, right? Which is pull, as opposed to trying to depend on some type of compliance, which is push. I love what one of my great mentors, Dondi Scumachi, says about this. She's such a wonderful leader and influencer and works with companies and teams all over the world. She's, I call her the mentor to the multitudes. And what Dondi says is when it comes to leadership and influence, compliance will never take you where commitment can go. Yeah, well said. We only have about two minutes to go here, Bob, but you mentioned the word mentor. And uh, I wanted to just ask you for the benefit of the younger folks who are watching and listening, who maybe are having an opportunity to choose a mentor at work. What should they look for? Or more importantly, what not to look for in choosing a proper mentor? Well, I think you look for someone who has either specifically done what you're looking to do, okay? Though that doesn't have to be the case. It might not be someone in the business you are in. It could be just someone who has lived a very successful life. And, you know, by that, I mean financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially, relationally, you know, someone who you admire and look up to. I would also say someone whose values are congruent with yours. Uh, And I'd say someone whose style is congruent with yours. And I think when you have that, now you've got the makings of a great mentor. But I think it's also important to not be too um, attached to having to find that one mentor right away, okay? there A mentor-protege relationship is, is just that. It's a relationship, and it takes time to build. And, you know, you may have a conversation with someone, and, and you may have one or two conversations with them, and that's all that ever happens. Or it might be someone with, over time, you, you have that mentor-protege relationship. So don't feel as though it has to be, that one-on-one forever type of thing. Just just ask the right questions of the right people and do it in a way that's humble and 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 shows that you appreciate their help and that you value it. And and I would take it from there. Great advice. Bob, unfortunately we are out of time. I can't thank you enough for joining us today though. My absolute pleasure, Dave. You're a great guy, and I I just appreciate all that you're doing, and it's really an honor to be on your uh, show. The honor is all mine, my friend, believe me. So thank you at home for watching and listening to Behind the Numbers. We've been chatting with the great Bob Berg today. Uh, Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you stay in touch with all that we're up to, and we will see you next time on Behind the Numbers, everybody. Take care.